Welcome to the podcast of JanetMichelle.com. Tune in and hear from women representing diverse business industries, sharing their glow up moments, imparting knowledge, and offering tips that support women in becoming the best version of themselves in life and business. This is a podcast you do not want to miss. Hello, hello, beautiful people. This is Janet Michelle, your blogger bestie. And today I have with me Sarah Elizabeth Moore uh, from St. Petersburg, Florida. She is a city council candidate for District 7. Uh, Sarah, would you care to introduce yourself a little bit more? Hello, everybody. My name is Sarah Elizabeth Moore. I'm your candidate for city council District 7. Um, I'm a St. Petersburg native. I grew up right in Charles Park, graduated from Lakewood High School, and I'm back because um, I don't see much progress for my generation, and I'm looking to bridge and connect um, the past with the future. So I'm so happy to be here, Ms. Janet. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. And you uh, forgot to mention one major, huge accomplishment. And uh, I'm not going to say it. I'm going to let you say it. (laughs) Yes. So I just recently graduated from FSU. I earned my Bachelor's of Science in Political Science. So I'm very excited about that, too. Mm -hmm. (laughs) All right. Well, congratulations. And thank you for sharing that. That is definitely a major feat uh, to go off and and graduate and then come back and want to make a difference. So that that's really big of you. Um, So what inspired you to run for city council? Can you share that with our listeners, Sarah? Yes. So what inspired me to run for city council was, um, you know, I was going for four years. um, I basically was just hearing the things that were kind of going on here. And when I came back, um, like I said, I didn't really see any progress. Um, One thing that I'm really concerned about when we start talking about politics and policy as it relates to, you know, local, state and national government, I think a lot of the times our leaders are forgetting about um, people like me, my generation Mm -hmm. and the younger audience. And so I really just ran because I saw that we're not being included in these conversations. Things are happening and people are making decisions based off of them and what's going on now. But I'm saying, you know, it's not fair to us as young people that we got to step into um, your mess and we have to clean it up. So I want to be that voice um, and basically just have a seat at the table for um, young people like me. Mm -hmm. I can definitely say um, it is much needed because we all share our, our spaces together. We share the city together. Right. Um, so one segment didn't have part blanche over the entire process. Um, and it is a breath of fresh air to see uh, the younger generation running for office and winning these offices. So um, definitely um, kudos to you for being inspired and then being bold enough to actually decide to run. So that's yes. um So I have a quick, we're just going to go over your, let's talk about your platform for a little mm-hmm. Your Okay. okay housing, affordable housing. Why is that something that you chose to make a part of your platform? Can you share a little bit of that with the listeners? Yes. So, um, you know, I just graduated. Mm -hmm. Um, In college, I kind of got used to having my own place. And so I came back and I was looking for um, a place and, you know, just listening to like people who I graduated um, from high school with, they always talk about how it's so hard to find um, affordable housing for them. And a lot of my classmates are actually in Riverview right now. Um, they yeah. live, yeah, they live in Riverview. And so I told my mom, you know, I said, mom, if I wanted to pay $1,800 um, 
I would move to D.C. where there were more appealing jobs, where I could actually be on Capitol Hill, where black people are actually really prospering. Um, and so, you know, I just wanted to make that a priority because affordable housing right now in St. Pete is a crisis and the city doesn't treat it like it's a crisis. Um, as you know, you know, we had a $1,717 million budget mm-hmm. and only $250,000 got um, committed to affordable housing. So if you told me that that was a crisis, I couldn't have believed it because we're not using our general revenues the appropriate way. So. Mm-hmm. I do believe it is um, a crisis and I want to talk more about um, creating affordable housing and making sure that everybody knows that you, it's really not such thing as affordable housing. I say it because um, uh, we kind of make it lamer in terms of politics, but it's really workforce and low income housing. I think that we have to start mm-hmm. distinguishing and making that distinction between the two. And that's mm-hmm. going to take people and not politicians. So I'm a champion for affordable housing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I do like the fact that you mentioned we have to start making, we have to distinguish the difference between the two because so often um, a term can get hijacked. Right. The people uh, who who were previously associated with that term who genuinely needed assistance, well, now that term gets hijacked and it represents a totally different group of people. A totally um, different group. Who are not necessarily in those same dire straits as the original group that that title was intended for. So I do like the fact that you you separate it because it is true. There is a difference, you know, with uh, workforce housing and shoot, even student housing and afford. What is affordability? What does that look like? What's affordable to you may not be affordable to me. Right. Um, so I definitely I, I do like that. That is a part of your platform. And uh, and the elderly, you know, my mom, she lives um, in downtown St. Pete. It's um, it's it's housing, you know, for the older people, 65 and above community. Well, directly across the street from her, they uh, demolished, I think, three pieces of affordable housing. Um, it, was, it was right next to Daystar, which which that's now by Child's Park. But that whole section is now gone. And what's coming there are condos and apartments that they can't afford. So, you know, keeping the elderly in mind, um, keeping, you know, the workforce in mind, that is important. And make again, making that distinguish. Uh, distinguishing the difference in those terms when we're talking about affordable housing. So good call. Um, Very good call. Now, economic development, I noticed that you, that's a part of your platform as well. And can you share a little bit about what your vision is and what you see as true economic development for uh, the citizens of uh, St. Pete or for the the citizens in the district that you want to represent, I should say. Um, so, you know, basically there is no secret about the economic prosperity that's happening downtown. Mm-hmm. And basically I think that we can bring that to, um, the South side of St. Pete. I want people to start understanding that our businesses, black businesses are good. There's nothing wrong with black businesses. I think that if we prioritize, um, our businesses, um, our community can actually thrive a little bit more better. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with this term called leakage, um, but economists use it. And it's basically talking about, um, like, let's say you have a Starbucks and it talks about the money that actually leaves and it doesn't stay in the community. Mm-hmm. And so I think about places like um, Chef Creole, where if we had 100 Chef Creoles um, in our St. Petersburg community, we can be keeping all of that money here. It won't go back to a headquarters. It will stay in St. Pete on the south side in District mm-hmm. 7 and it can redistribute through our community. So 
when I talk about economic development, I talk about, um, you know, prioritizing our local businesses and then also making sure that um, we're bringing more appealing businesses to St. Petersburg because when I graduated, that was a very big thing for me. Uh, when I was moving back home, I wanted to find a good job. Um, and I didn't feel like it was fair that I have to work and I have to play in Tampa or I have to work and I have to play in Clearwater. So making sure that we're bringing um, better jobs to St. Pete because a lot of us don't come back when we graduate. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the unfortunate reality of it. And it's because a lot of it has to do with the um, housing and then jobs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, you know, for those listeners that are out there, I don't know some, you know, that is an important piece because we want to continue to build. I do believe that if if the city wants to continue to build and to grow, um, you have to begin to think about that in the economic development and not just focus on, you know, um, the the condos and the um, apartments and stuff because I don't know, that's what I see. The most activity that I see centered around what's going on in the city is centered around apartments and, and condominiums. And I know the the, uh, the current mayor just announced um, a 20-year plan, $60 million, 20, over 20 years um, to address uh, housing. But as some people pointed out, um, they just dropped eighty-five million on a police station. Yeah, in one in one cycle, and so that's you know back to that development piece, making it a priority to create an environment where people who are bright, intelligent, educated, passionate want to come back and make St. Pete their home, so they can build it up. I mean, that's how those other cities. The ones that we hear about, like, you know, the D.C.'s, the Atlanta, right. Charlotte, the Baltimore, that's how those areas are built up because those people, they come back and they stay and they build it up. But yes, creating, um, and this is my words, a playground for the wealthy, that's not going to work. <laughs> no, it's not. And, you know, just to hit back on the points on um, all of these condominiums and things like that, I was having a conversation a while back with one of my friends. And we were talking about the Kmart on the South Side mm-hmm. on 34th Street. And right now they're trying to turn it into um, this place, like it's a condominium. And I'm just like, that lot could be used for something so much more than trying to, like you say, build a playground for the wealthy. Um, right now, um, economists, we're talking about we're operating in the bull market. So, yeah, it's a bunch of economic prosperity. It's a bunch of like um, optimistic um things and results that can happen in terms of where we are um, in the economy. But we got to think too, like five years from now, if you keep building all these condominiums that what's going to eventually happen is everybody can't afford them. They're going to turn into low income housing. And so ultimately, you know, I think, I think people are just taking advantage of the real estate market as to where it is right now. Mm -hmm. Um, But you know, Hey, do you, but I'm not going to, I'm going to continue to fight to make sure that um, we put, put an end to this. And especially gentrification, that's a big thing that's going on in the South Side. I go out canvassing, I talk to people in my neighborhood. They mm-hmm. said they get letters all the time. Can I buy your house? Can I buy your house? Mm-hmm. It's, it's just like, oh my goodness. Like, where do we, when does it become an end? Like, when do you stop? You know, you're just preying on all of these people, mm-hmm. all of these elderly people. Um, saying, you know, we'll give you $60,000 for your house and then you take the $60,000 and now you're in an apartment and, you know, $60,000 is not going to pay for your entire apartment. Now you don't have a home and you're mm-hmm. renting out. 
So now we're learning the ter- we're not learning how to actually own anything anymore. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do. And I think there's a push too to um, you know, stay in your house, don't sell grandma's house, don't sell granddaddy's house. Um, you know, to uh, encouraging people to hold on to those properties and that is a big part of economic development itself because you expand the tax base when you are a, you expand the tax base when you are a homeowner. Um, so that's really important and honestly that's where gentrification starts. It starts with us not retaining our properties. That's that right. step in. So having that push and getting that education out there um, for citizens to, you know, homeowners to retain and hold on to those properties and not be duped out of them. Um, right. that, that's serious. You know, that is serious business. Now, I noticed that you also mentioned um, the use of the CRA dollars to help retain and expand businesses and companies uh, and which can result in economic growth. Uh, that can help sustain future um, generations. What are your thoughts now about the Tropicana Field um, situation and where that <laughs> taxing district, it was in the Southside CRA. Now it's not, it's been moved to the downtown um, CRA. What are your thoughts on that? Um, so, you know, as we know, you know, the Tropicana Field site was um, historic gas plant district Um and we all know the failed promises that this site, um, basically, they didn't follow through with. Mm-hmm. And so I think that we need to put that back into the um, south side. The 86 acres is pure gold. And I think that the south side deserves that back because it was a lot of failed opportunities that um, didn't follow through. Like I said, um, we talked about, they said jobs are going to be um, granted to the people around and the, really the only thing that we could have did in there, and I remember doing it, was sell popcorn um, mm-hmm. during games. And then I was reading an article where the um, guy who owns Connie's, he was saying that, like, he never got any real business off of these games. And so I think the most appropriate thing to do if the city wants to, you know, build a relationship is, um, you know, don't wait to 2027 to figure out what to do. I said this in my debate at the League of Women Voters, and I said, you know, let's start planning on what we're going to do with that now. And I hope that whatever that we decide to do is going to benefit um, the district that I represent, which is District 7. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's true how um, a lot of times uh, the community is, it, it, from my observation, they're sold on these big ideas to get to get, you know, the project or to get the change made. But when that change actually is made, they don't really see the, the, the full, the benefits that they were promised. And right. um, that still happens right now. And it's like having the right people on city council um, to make sure that the right thing is done by people who have been sister, uh, systematically um, discriminated against economically, if you will, and looked over um, and do uh, purposely, I think it's important having people on the council who have a different set of eyes and who truly operate out of compassion and concern for the constituents that they're elected to represent. Yes. Um, so let's go on to su- the the sewage crisis. This was it, this still is an issue, if I'm not mistaken. Um, oh my gosh! Yes. Yeah, this still is an issue. Um, you you care to share a little bit about? what you hope to do through your platform regarding the sewage crisis uh, in the city? Well, what I really propose that we do is that we start back by opening up the waste plant that was closed. Um, Mm -hmm. 
you know, what happened was this all started because they closed down the Albert, Albert Witte wastewater plant. And they basically said, you know, this was going to save the city $30 million. And to me, that seems like it's more about a check and less about the community. And nobody did any real work to um, see, like, how this was really going to affect everybody. And so I'm proposing that we open back the wastewater plant, but then we also start investing into nanotechnology where we can start cleaning out our water and start cleaning out our bays. Because, um, you know, just the other day, a few weeks ago, I talked about this in the League of Women, the, the voters debate, mm-hmm. was um, raw sewage is continuing to be dumped into um, our waterways. And Mm -hmm. if that continues to happen, then our tourist dollars begin to fail. Mm -hmm. And then if we're dumping it in the Bogusiega Bay, we're hurting our allyship with our sister city, Gulfport. And we can't be doing things like that. And, you know, the city says that they have this five-year plan. I don't believe they have a five-year plan. So I'm saying we got to start this now. I think we need to invest into the research aspect of it. We can't be drilling this stuff down into the water because like in psychology, when you suppress things, it comes back up. So you can't suppress this stuff. Um, And, you know, just really do the real research and open up the wastewater plant. That's what I'm proposing. Okay. Thank you for sharing that. Now for city council members that may not be on board with your ideas, how would you win them over? We, we, we hope, you know, everybody goes along to get along, but that don't always be the case because <laughs> for whatever right. So how would you um, get, them on, get them on board with their ideas? Right. Um, so basically, you know, politics right now, and we can see in our country, is very divided. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because people just don't take the time to communicate issues. They don't take the time to see um, you know, the bigger picture anymore. People don't want to work across party lines. And I always say, you know, our, our issues are deeper than partisanship. And so if you don't like me because I'm representing this party and I don't like you because you represent this party, we're never going to get things done. And so, um, you know, recently I just saw where, um, one of our council members, Charlie Gertis, he said, you know, he's going to put aside his white privilege to really listen to the needs of the community. And I think that's what we have to start doing. And so, um, me, I'm just going to work effectively with everybody and I'm going to make sure that communication is a priority. You know, and this might not be a solid answer, but I want to make sure that everybody is being represented. Everybody is being heard, um, when it comes to issues concerning the community. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and, and, and that's fair. I mean, honestly, when you're advocating for something that not only the, your, your district benefits from, but the city as a whole benefits from, it's like, really, uh, you, you, you want to get some opposition against that. This is for the good of everybody. <laughs> but, right. But like right. you said, politics, you know, it's, it's an interesting beast. Uh, so, um, opening up those lines of communication, communicating, uh, you know, in a healthy manner, uh, to get your ideas across, I think is extremely important and it is needed most definitely. Now, what does a, a, what does a healthy and progressive St. Pete really look like to you? Because the city is always touted as being a progressive one, but when you go to digging and you go to looking and you look at how things used to be and you look at how things still are, where how monies are allocated, you know, how things are provided for people in the city, when you start to, you know, look at those things, that progressive city, <laughs> progressive city can have a question mark. At the right. end of it. So what does a healthy and progressive St. Pete look like to you? 
Excuse me. Um, For me, so in college, it's so funny that you bring this up because I talk about this all the time with people. Uh, When people oftentimes heard that I was from St. Petersburg, they either didn't know where it was or they would be like, oh, my gosh, you're from St. Pete. I love the beach. Where where do you live in St. Pete? And I always be like, you know, you don't know where I live because I grew up in one of the most um, underdeveloped communities in St. Petersburg. I grew up in Child's Park. Mm -hmm. And... um, Basically, with all that being said, you know, even in my women's studies classes, they talk about how, you know, St. Pete is so progressive when it comes to the LGBTQ um, rights. And we have the Women's March and things like that. But then we look at my district, which is District 7, and we're the most impoverished and underdeveloped community in all of St. Petersburg. Mm -hmm. And so for me, um, a diverse St. Pete looks like everybody has representation. I talk about this um, when I start thinking about the gerrymandering and... Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We start talking about how basically voting lines were illegally split and that um, alters the Voting Rights Act of 1965. And what essentially happens is that, you know, we only have one African-American person representing us on um, city council. That's not diverse to me. I'm like, we have to start making sure that everybody is being represented. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I think that everybody having a seat at the table, whether you're a minority or you're a marginalized group of people. And then also making sure that, um, I just lost my train of thought. (laughs) It's okay, take your time. Yes. So, you know, just whether it's you're a minority or a marginalized individual, making sure that you're being, everybody is being represented, but then making sure that the playing ground is even for everybody. So if you're talking about economic prosperity downtown and St. Pete, and literally we talk about this too with the Tropicana site, um, right across from that is the most impoverished community. And I'm like, that's so irresponsible to even have $137 billion investment right across the street. And it doesn't benefit the community that literally lies right across the street from it. Mm-hmm. And so I say that, you know, a progressive St. Pete is going to be one that's inclusive. It's going to be diverse. It's innovative. Um, and I say innovative in terms of like, we need to start talking about technology because we're getting ready to um, come upon the economic cycle, which is going to result in a lot of people being hurt from um, this technical, this technological um, advancement that is going on. And so we need to make sure that we're preparing our people. This city cannot continue to just be about um, a place where old, wealthy, white people retire anymore. Like you have a group of people that are here and we've been here and we aren't going anywhere. And so making sure that everybody's included and it's particularly young people, you know, a lot of people say that they don't, they want young people in these positions. And I'll tell you right now, Ms. Janet, they don't, they talk mm-hmm. so much stuff about us. Mm-hmm. They say that we're progressives, we're socialists, all this stuff. And I think for me, just making sure that everybody is represented, young, old, um, black, white, Asian, Hispanic, Latino, people of color, that we are all representing. Our voices are being heard across the board. Mm-hmm. 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 Very. Thank you for that insight. And um, just really quick, because that, you know, again, well, not to, before I move on, but that going back to that representation um, piece and it is really important because in that just like you said in that that's when you get um, a true progressive spirit in the city and I know sometimes in my spare time I research like you know I go digging and looking at cities 
that really are, you know, have the marks of a progressive city. They're, they don't shy away, you know, from talking about um, police brutality or institutionalized racism and right. state, um, uh, economic racism. Like they, their leaders, they don't wait until somebody catches their hand in the cookie jar or if their hand is caught in the cookie jar, they own up to it and then they put systems and things in place so that it doesn't happen again, you know what I'm saying, to make things better for those coming behind them. And I know in the city of St. Pete, there have been multiple years of history and and lessons and things that have occurred. And the response has been, it's been what it's always been. We'll pick a representative. I'm going to speak for, um, not for the black community as a whole, but speaking as a black person. Um, and from my experience, the response has been, oh, well, we're going to pick this this one black spokesperson or this one group to attach this issue. We're going to put the onus on the program, but we're not going to take personal responsibility for what happened. And right. because they never take personal you know, responsibility as a governmental organization for the things that go on in the city, you keep on having administration after administration after administration punt the ball, and then the city citizens are all back before city council complaining about the same thing over and over and over and over again. One right. uh, case in point by cameras, police cameras. You know, that was a topic where overwhelming support was shown that they felt like the police department um, needs to wear body cameras. Um, the 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 council and the mayor they were against it. No body cameras. The other thing um, was uh, for uh, certain amounts of marijuana. Um, mm-hmm. Instead of going through like a diversion program or, or touching the court system altogether, you would get a citation, right? So it, it would be handled through the system that handles parking tickets. The sheriff came in. Nope, shut it down. The city went along, and you know it's different. So I'm like, that's not what progressiveness is progressive is you're you're moving you're progressing you're, what you did in the past doesn't look like what you're doing in the future right you know and it, it goes beyond giving somebody some money for a program no you actually roll these changes into your policies within the government and I feel right. like you know the city and the current leadership I feel like sometimes they fall short in those in my opinion they fall short in some in some of those areas, they they just fall short. And um, again, the council holds so much weight. You know, you hold so much, you have so much responsibility. So to get a truly progressive council member in there that really wants to move things forward, I think is what this city really, really needs at this point, Ginger. Um, at this yeah. point, um, and Ginger. And yeah. it's just like, you know, I, I left in 2015 and I came back and I felt like things were the same. I was like, mm-hmm. was there anybody really representing us on city council? Um, and I just think it's imperative and speak to the whole issue with body cameras. Um, I saw where they were trying to fund 16,000 handguns versus body cameras. And I think that's irresponsible. And that's why I talk about the leadership. I talk about it mm-hmm. being corrupt, careless. Like, it really is because they're irresponsible. Like, you don't want to take the initiative to um, put body cameras on your police officers, which can actually be a liaison and a bridge to the community and the police officer. Because, you know, historically, 
Um, we as Black people have been mistreated by officers. We've been mistreated by um, law enforcement. And we saw that on this recent video mm-hmm. where these guys were slam handling um, an African-American male on the ground. And they said that all they did was suspend the guy. And I'm like, this is what I'm talking about. This is why body cameras are necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, but instead, you know, we'll build an $85 million police station. And then, you know, we we we, we don't community police. Like, we don't have police officers that are actually going to be in our community that's going to actually be building relationships with the people that they're supposed to be serving. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like, progressiveness is a big deal here. And I, to me, people always try to say I'm out of touch. But I'm like, no, I feel like St. Peter's out of touch because I have been a lot of places and it's mm-hmm. very progressive, like mm-hmm. very progressive. And I feel mm-hmm. like here it's not it's not that I could tell nothing has been really going on these past four years. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, that's a good observation. And it helps when you do get outside of your city because you really you you see and you feel the difference. You just do. And so sometimes it gives you hope to come back and want to see those same things in your city. Um, so uh, speaking on that, what is it that inspires you and keeps you waking up ready to change your environment? What What is it? Um, really, it's just, it's service, honestly. You know, I think that the more I keep um, you know, delving into politics. People always try to say, you know, politics is a dirty game. You're going to have to learn how to play it. And I don't think it has to be like that. I think that mm-hmm. if you have a moral compass and you have the integrity to meet the reality of demands, mm-hmm. the demands of reality, excuse me, I think that anybody can be in this position. You just got to make sure your heart is there. And so mm-hmm. um, I think about like even national politics, we start talking about how Amazon is this billion dollar company. They pay zero dollars in taxes. Meanwhile, you have people who, um, you know, don't even have health care in America. Mm-hmm. And then we start, when we start saying we want to tax companies like um, Amazon, it's like this big thing. It's like, no, why would you do that? You're taxing the wealthy. And I just like, people just don't have a moral compass anymore. It's like mm-hmm. 1% of the population is making 99% of our wealth. And then you have all of these people living in poverty. You have all these people living in homelessness. And so, you know, Dr. Martin Luther King says this, you know, the most noblest thing that anybody could do is um, dedicate themselves to a life of service. Mm -hmm. And I believe that. So me waking up every day, um, meeting with people is very draining, but it's also very rewarding because um, as long as like I know that I'm doing the work, I know that I can influence other people to want to do this work as well. Okay. Well, this is going to, uh, we're going to wrap up. Anything you want to share, any upcoming events? Uh, how can they find you on social media or anything you want to cover that we missed? Yes. So um, right now we don't have any events that are public right now, Okay. but you can go to my website. It's going to be sarahelizabethmore.com. Um, it's very long. And then you can find me on Facebook at, um, Sarah, let me look. Cause I have all these accounts between, <laughs> <laughs> between Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Running for office. So you gotta, you know, you gotta set that stuff up. Yes. So the Facebook is Sarah for seven. And then the Instagram is going to be, um, vote, vote Sarah seven. And then when you Type the one for Facebook is Sarah, the number four, and then seven. The word is spelled out. Okay. So mm-hmm. Sarah, the number four, then. I'll make sure the links are in the in the article in the description. So it's no worries on that. Yes. Um, I'll put a direct link for it. Okay. Well, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to do the interview. I really do appreciate it. Um, 
And I'm just, I wish you, I do, I wish you all the best. I mean, I was excited when I heard you was running. <laughs> I was so excited. I was so excited to hear that you were running. So it's really just, like I said, there's so many, um, not, you know, younger candidates and I'm here for it. I love it. Um, and I hope you guys just dominate at the, um, at the voting booth and, and get your, and get the, your peers inspired to run because the future is now and you guys are the future is here. Yes. And that's why I want everybody want you to say Pete to know that. Yes. Yes. You guys are going to shape what we experience going forward. Um, so thank you so much. Any last thoughts before we go? No, I just want um, everybody to know that it's a new day in St. Pete. We are going to bridge the past with the future. We're working on securing the future. And, you know, I just ask for everybody to join me in my historic campaign on August 27th. Make sure that you get out there, you vote. Make sure that you participate in your local elections because these are the things that affect you. So that's all I have to say, Ms. Janet. I thank you for taking your time out to interview me as well. You're welcome and take care. And I am signing off. <laughs> Thank you. All right. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Thanks for hanging out with us. If you enjoyed this episode, hit that subscribe button and share what you loved or learned with us on Instagram at Janet Michelle blog. Stay in touch by joining our glow up game mailing list at JanetMichelle.com.